Okay, we're in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, you know, today is, uh, what is the 21st of January? Uh, 19 years ago today was the very, was the first full day that Ann and I spent in uh, Albania, okay? We arrived on the late afternoon of the 20th. It's interesting, we know that because... We left on the 19th, the 20th was in, we flew through Washington, D.C., the 20th was the inauguration, uh, W's second inauguration, so the plane was ridiculous, it was late, like why did we fly through Washington on this day? It's the only reason we remember. But the 21st of January was our first day. So we woke up that morning, you know, we took us, they put us in a place, we slept. I remember Ann like, what have we done? You know, well, it's going to be okay. So we wake up the next morning, and immediately we begin to think about, you know, how, how shall we now live in this place that's just not familiar to us, right? What do we do? How do we become Albanian, right? How do we learn the culture? How do we know what to do here? And Albania is a cool place. It's got lots of traditions, societal traditions, what you do when you meet a friend, what you do when you go to somebody's house, what you do when you go to a wedding, what you do when you go to a funeral. They've got these rituals that you do. It's full of laws, in a way, cultural laws. You know, and it took us, so we tried to learn them. And uh, it took quite a while for us to be comfortable in some of those situations. But we found out, right, that there was really only one law in Albania. And this is the truth. I'm just not making this up because of today's message. There was only one law, okay? And that was to receive the friendship of an Albanian. When a friend says, sit down and drink coffee, you sit down and drink coffee. But because for Albanians, the other person is the most important person in the world. It's the most social, sociable, whatever the word is, country in the world, I think, right? So you just receive their acceptance of you as another human being. And really all they ask is that you accept me back as an Albanian. Uh, so it was really a cool place to be. And I think that speaks to our passage today. We're going through Galatians, right? We all know we've said the deep, Paul's like over and over and over and over again, all right? Do not add circumcision to your faith. In the church, there was a, a group of people that were the, from the circumcision sect. And they were saying that you Gentiles need to become circumcised in order to be right with God, okay? And Paul says over and over, no, that is not true. Do not do that. Do not become circumcised. You have been freed from the law through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do not go back under the law. And the reason that Paul wrote Galatians was so that they would be a hundred percent clear on this issue, on the gospel. Do not add circumcision 
to the gospel. And the problem with circumcision is it leads to law-keeping. It's not just circumcision. If you add circumcision, you're adding everything else. Okay? And we, it, from, from the time you're saved to the time you die, right, you're going to be under the law. Do not do it. You know, and so circumcision is not an issue for us. Dean mentioned this last week. It's not an issue for us. But going under the law is an issue. We call it legalism, all right? And it is an issue for us that we, after we trust Christ, we add the law to our life with Christ. How shall we now live? Well, you got laws. And Paul says, no, do not do that. So if you think about why it was so important to Paul that this church in Galatia knew this, because from that church, the gospel was going to go into north, central, and northern Turkey, right? He planted a church there, and he was going to go on over, right? They were going to be responsible to take the gospel, to take life with Christ, into the beyond, right? So he needed them to be correct on this. And it's important for us too. We need to be correct also because we've been, we've been given the responsibility to take the gospel to this community in all of its fullness, right? And we have to make sure that we don't take works, legalism with us as we take the gospel to other people, right? And this passage today speaks exactly to that issue. It's chapter 5. But you know, I like long introductions, so we're not going to go to chapter 5 yet. We're going we're to uh, stop at chapter 2, okay? And this, this helps us understand the first part of chapter 5, okay? Galatians 2.20. And I'm going to start at Galatians 2.16, Paul says, we know that a man is not justified by the works of the law. He is not made righteous before God by the works of the law, right? But through faith in Jesus Christ. When we trust in Jesus Christ, we are made righteous. We are justified. Therefore, We have believed in Jesus Christ, right? We believe because we want to be right with God in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because by the works of the law, nobody's going to be justified, okay? Remember that. By the works of the law, no one's justified. Nobody, not any way, is justified by the works of the law. Now Paul says in 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, all right. He's saying, I have trusted in Jesus Christ. I have identified with Christ through faith. Okay? But it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, remember the question is, how shall we now live? Okay? Paul says, okay. The life that I live now, after I've trusted Jesus Christ, the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved him, who loved, 
excuse me, and gave himself for me. I live it by faith. I don't live it by law, right? This life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. And in parentheses, by begin living under the law. I don't do it. I don't set aside the grace of God. Okay, for if righteousness came through the law, then Christ died in vain. Right? Righteousness does not come from the law. It comes from Jesus, us being in Jesus. He died for our sins so that we might have his righteousness, not only on the day that I was saved, but the day after, the day after, the day after, the day after. All right? All right, now, chapter 5. Okay. So, remember last week, Dean talked about it was a, he, the story of um, Abraham and his Sarah and uh, Hagar, and he says, using the allegory, that we were born under the free woman. We were born free, all right? So how do we live? Paul says what? Stand for freedom Christ has made us free. Stand firm therefore. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And the New King James, how do we live? Stand firm in the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Stand firm, okay? Don't move off of it. Don't dip your toe over here in legalism, right? Don't try to go through some rocks across this little thing, you know, like all us guys like to do when we're out into the, into the wilderness, right, into the creeks. Jeff, remember, be careful walking around through the, through the woods. Stand firm, all right? Don't move one single inch off of freedom, off of grace. Christ died so that we would be free from the law. He died so that we could live in grace. Don't move off of it. Stand firm. And don't be, don't put on again a yoke of slavery, all right? You know, you think about a picture. You're standing firm on this thing, and then you pick this board up, and you're like this, right? Sooner or later, you're going to fall. Just don't do it. And I think this may be a, a spiritual discipline of sorts. You know, how do I, how do I, what do I do, Right? I stand firm in grace. I practice grace. I accept grace. I give grace. I'm a grace, I'm a grace guy, okay? And God uses that, because, and then Christ works in me, right? What did Paul say? I don't live now, but Christ lives in me, right? Christ is in me, giving me direction in life through his spirit, right? Helping me know how to live life, how to walk. What do I do? What's my responsibility? Stand firm in grace. So <clears throat> there's a, uh, um, uh, Colleen, can you put up the, uh, he says, and don't enter again into a yoke of slavery. Don't put law back on top of it. This is, um, <clears throat> I think this helps us. There's three types of people or groups of people 
generally in the world, okay, or wherever. And the first would be over here, the irreligious, people that just don't care about God. They may believe there's a God, they whatever, but they have no interest, right? Just don't talk to me about God, right? You, got, you stay over in your lane over there. Let me walk in my lane without God. And then in the middle, we have religious people. And religious people are those that relate to God through doing good. Most of America falls into this category, right? Hey, do you, are you going to go to heaven when you die? Yeah, I think I will. Why? You know, I've led a pretty good life, right? My, you okay with God? Yeah, I'm okay with God. I've been going to church. I've been praying. I've been going to confession. You know, I'm, I'm a good guy. I don't get mad at Ann that often. All right, occasionally. Not very often. Well, okay. I don't lie. Yes, you do lie, Alan. No, okay. They're religious people. We are trying to get right with God through doing good works. And the next are gospel people. We believe in Jesus Christ for our salvation. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We believe. It's not by works that we're saved. We're saved by grace through faith. We're in the gospel. And Paul, this is, this is where you become, in this block over here, you've, you're made righteous. Christ's righteous, righteousness is put to your account. You are justified, all right? And what Paul says is stay here. Stand firm over here. That's what he says. And, but if we're honest with each other, probably most people in Bible churches, okay, or in Baptist churches or Presbyterian, it doesn't make, well, we're going to pick on Bible churches. Most people get back over here. They trust Christ, right, for their salvation, but this is where they live, right here. And Paul's saying, don't go back into here. Do not add circumcision to your faith. Do not add works to your faith. Stand firm in the gospel. Stand that you've been made free from the law of sin and death, right? Make sense? And this is helpful for me to remember this, right? And it's helped, and especially to understand this. He's saying, stand firm over here. Don't move. Don't move. So why? Why does he not want us to move over to here? I haven't read this passage for you guys yet, but the first verse is, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't jump up back over here. And he says, look, I, Paul, say to you, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be no advantage to you. So the first reason that he wants us to stand firm is circumcision has no merit, right? It's of no advantage. It's just getting weighted down with a backpack that's going to have stuff in it you don't need. Right, John? Don't take it. It's worthless to you. Do y'all ever go, like, whenever I go uh, on a trip, you know, I pack all sorts of stuff in here. When I come back, three-fourths of the stuff I've not used. You know, and Ann's like, Alan, why are you taking that? I might need it. It's worthless to you on this trip, Alan. You're not going to need it. Don't. It's, 
Circumcision is of no value. The other problem is it's tricky, okay? It's deceitful. It's like, it's no big deal. Well, I just get circumcised. Yeah, it is a big deal for us dudes, but, you know, you gals, it's not, it's not a big deal, right? Don't do it. It just makes these other guys happy, you know? It makes me part of the group. What's the problem? Paul says it's of no value, and it's trying to sell you a bell of goods that's not worth anything. So don't do it, okay? Then he says, and I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Not only is it worth it, I mean, it's, it's not worth it, it's not, not of no value. If you accept circumcision, the laws keep coming, bro. It's one law after another, after another, after another, after another. It's not a one-off event, right? And it's the same way for us. If we begin to enter into law after we're saved, Alan may give you a law. Like, Alan said to do this, so I'm going to do it. Well, it's not just that. It's this one, and then it's this one, and then it's this one, and then it's this one. You get into a group of people that has added legalism onto salvation after, as part of your life with Christ, now that you've trusted Christ, these are the rules you have to obey. It's never one rule. It's never two rules. It's never three rules, okay? It's going to be just as long as we are watching you and judging you, we're going to come up with a rule that you need to obey. All right, Paul says, you do the first one. And you know the other thing about rules? Laws, they're, most of the time they're cultural, Right? Jesus talked to the Pharisees about that. He said, you've taken your traditions and you've turned them into commandments. And then you teach your commandments as if they are the doctrine of God. You try to take the things that that, that they're cultural to you, they're your cultural norms, and you try to make them the commandments of God. Long hair. Now, none, some of you guys didn't grow up in the 60s in a conservative household. I did. All right? Long hair, if it touched your ears, you were a sinner. I'm sorry. I'm, my dad's not here. I, I wouldn't be saying this if there was a chance he was going to listen. Right? But if it touched your hair, you were, uh-uh, you were out of fellowship right? Like if it touched your collar, I don't know, Dave, it was that way in Fort Worth. It was only Dallas that it was that way. If it touched your collar, bro, out of the church, right? I'm serious, right? It just was cultural, right? It was just the way they were back then, okay? Short hair, it's what counts. And if you don't do it, you're probably not a Christian or God, Jesus is going to take care of you, you know? It's culture. I'm sorry. Did I pick on anybody's feelings? I didn't think about one today. Okay. And some of you here may be short hair people. I was a short hair person. Okay. Um, but 
I'll give you an exa- another example. We got um, um, in Russia, there's a big issue with um, drinking, right? So it's, you may not drink and be a believer in Russia. If you drink vodka, you're out, okay? Now the Republic of Georgia, Republic of Georgia, they make, they, everybody makes wine in Georgia. Everybody makes wine, they do, okay? It's even in the city, they all have their grapevines growing. They love it. You go to a pastor's convention, every pastor brings their bottle of wine with them. Okay, hey, look at this. Look what I made. It's cool. All right, but in Georgia, you can't smoke because everybody smokes, okay? And Christians don't smoke. They drink wine, but they don't smoke. In Russia, they don't drink, but they do smoke. Like, which one is it? We take our traditions, okay, and we make them a commandment, and then we teach them like they're from God. So Paul says, if you take, if you jump back over into here and you accept legalism, it never stops. Um, the third one is, you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Um, these are strong words. Christ is of no value to you. You're severed from Christ. You have fallen from grace. And you would have some people that would want you to live here, all right, that would say you can lose your salvation, right? That Christ, you're going to have to start completely over, right? We're going to have a rule, a law that if you jump over here, you lose your salvation. And that's not what Paul's saying. Paul says, Christ lives in me. The life that I now live, Christ lives in me. Paul says, stand firm in this. And if he's saying, if you accept circumcision, which leads to legalism, you're not living, you're not letting Christ live inside of you right? You have fallen from this standing firm position. And I think that there's, um, Paul's also talking about how we grow in Jesus, how I become a disciple, right? How my life is transformed into Christ's likeness. And if I think it happens by the law, I'm wrong, If I think keeping a bunch of rules makes me more like Jesus, I'm wrong. Because it severs me from Christ. It disconnects me from him living in me. He says, the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Right? And Jesus works in Paul's life because he's living it by Christ. But if he begins to live it by grace, he's not, I mean, by works, he's not living it by Christ. He's, he's disconnected from Jesus, right? Um, I just, Paul's not teaching you've fallen out of a saved condition. He's teaching that Christ is you're not living by 
the Christ that's in you, right? Um, so I want to, we got some time. We got till tomorrow, maybe, I don't know. Uh, Paul says, you who would be justified, this is in verse 4, you who would be justified by the law, the first thing, he's, is he talking about salvation? You know, justification? And I think, no, this passage is clearly about how we live after we've trusted in Jesus Christ, okay? So I think there's a term here that I've, I don't know if it exists or not. Justificationism is what I'm going to call it. How do we deal with our sin? How do we deal with it? How do we become righteous before God? You know, it may be my past life. Maybe I've had a life that was pretty rough before. And I just think, hey, I know Christ died for me. And I know I'm saved, but I've got to make up for all those sins that I did in the past. I'm not real sure how God can truly forgive me for all that stuff. They still haunt me. So I have to do good things to make up for the sins in the past. Or it could be that, hey, you know, I did something, I sinned today. And I need to do something so that God will forgive me. John, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We confess it, he cleanses us, right? But no, I, I need to do something. Or we um, think, um, you know, you don't ever think, you know, I backed into somebody. What had I been doing wrong? Why did God let that happen to me? And I need to, maybe I wasn't praying enough. You know, oh man, I haven't had my quiet time in a few days, and I cracked a tooth. I better get back on my quiet time. Am I crazy here, or do we sometimes think about stuff like that? Justificationism, all right? The things we do today to try to atone for our sins, to make up for our sins. Or what if, what if you're going to have something hard? Maybe you're looking for a job, and you say, you know what, I'm going to be good for a while because I really need this job. I need to coax God into giving me this job, right? And God's going like, oh, 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 oh. That's Albanian, like, come on, bro. That's not the way it works, and that's what Paul's talking about. You who would be justified by the law. Right? How do you deal with your sins? All of our sins, all of our sins, past, present, and future, were paid for by Jesus on the cross. You know, what does the Bible say? He lives today and he makes intercession for us. Jesus put enough righteousness in the bank when he died on the cross to cover all of our sins, right? For the whole world. He's the propitiation of the sins for the sins of the whole world. And John says, but we have an advocate with the Father who's making intercession for us. So Alan sins, right? Alan says, Lord, I sinned. Would you please forgive me of my sin? I'm confessing my sin. 
Jesus says, hey, here's, here's righteousness for Alan's account, Father. Right, you can forgive him. He's righteous. His right, he's got, my righteousness covers everything that he does wrong. He cannot, we cannot earn it. So what are some ways that we decide to add grace to, excuse me, law to grace? We doing okay? Am I getting us too out of track? This is, this is important, I think. We leave this building, right? We go out there with the gospel message. What are ways that we add law to grace? The first is something called lordship salvation, right? That you must believe, but you also must agree to do everything that God's going to ask you to do that Jesus is going to ask you to do. If you don't do that, you're not saved, right? So it's future law-keeping, right? It's not just faith. It's an agreement to do what Jesus wants you to do. The second might be is a faith that works, right? My faith, you, how do I know if I've got faith? How do I know, right? Do you ever worry about that? You know, do I really believe? Maybe my faith, maybe I don't really have faith. And I'm like, well, we'll just check your works out. See if you got some works. Because true saving faith works. Right? You don't have to get pre-agreement, but if you go along, if you're not working, bro, you're not saved. You don't have faith. That's not, we just have faith in Jesus Christ. Right? Don't fall into the legalism trap. Arminianism, you can lose your salvation, right? You do something wrong, you're, you're toast. You've moved all the way back over here, right? You're completely out of there. You can't get back in until you have faith again, and you just don't, you don't know, right? Well, you can lose your salvation if you're not careful. Um, another one is, um, we've talked about this, Works to merits forgiveness, right? Okay, I need God to forgive me for being ugly to Ann. So instead of apologizing to Ann, I'm going to go out and share the gospel with somebody, right? I don't know. I'm going to read my Bible, right? Uh, you know, I need to do good works to make up for what I did wrong. You who seek to be righteous, justified, by the law. Just stand firm in grace. Um, you know, and I also think that we do works to become more Christ-like. We think that external righteousness is what God's looking for. And Jesus taught very clearly his disciples that what comes out is based upon what's inside of our heart right? Uh, it doesn't mean that we don't do things, okay? And that doing doesn't reinforce what's going on inside of our heart, but if it's just out here, that's justificationism, all right? That if we add works to our, to Christ inside of us, to our becoming Christ-like, it's not going to work. 
okay? So these are some ways, I think, of how justificationism works in the church today. You know, I'm supposed to be preaching, all right? This is me to you, but is that clear enough or not? I don't know if the last one, I might, I'm a little bit, but we cannot work our way into Christ-likeness. Jesus works that in us through the Spirit, okay? And if we just think I'm doing good, then I'll give you an example. Um, In Albania, when a um, person trusts Jesus, when a group over there leads a person to Jesus, what's the, the very first thing they're told after they trust Christ, they pray the prayer, is you need to start having a daily quiet time. You should have a daily quiet time. And you should... Um, Share your faith. We're going to teach you how to share your faith, and you need to share your faith. Now, are daily quiet times important? They are important because the Spirit uses the Scripture to transform our heart, and when our heart is transformed, then what happens? The way we act is transformed. Spending time in the Bible is important. It is but to say, hey, you should do this. This is what believers do. And so that young believer says, I'm fine because I picked up my Bible and I read it five minutes today, right? Or, oh, I didn't have my quiet time. That must be why I lost my phone, all right? It's another thing to say, hey, you know what? The scripture uses, the Holy Spirit uses the scripture in our life to teach us about Jesus, and we learn about Jesus, and we learn about how he lived life, and, you know, we strive, you know, help us live life like Jesus lived life. And I found, for me, it's helpful to spend some time in the morning reading the Bible before I uh, head out for the day. You might want to try that. Those are two completely different things in my mind. All right, one of them is do this. And we've got a, young, a lot of young believers in Jesus Christ, in Albania that they do this and they do this and they do this and they're okay. Right? Because we're, anyway, I'll stop there. We okay? Jeff, we okay or not? Okay. So how do we live? Time's out, but how do we live? Dean's going to tell us that next week. All right. Paul says, if it's not circumcision, if it's not law, then what is it? Paul, tell me. I'm standing firm in grace, but I've got to walk occasionally. I've got to live my life. How do I do it? He says, verse uh, 5, through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. We're waiting today for the hope of righteousness in the future. So now in this phase of our life, by the Spirit, or through the Spirit, by faith, we live out this life. So how do we stay over here? Through the Spirit, by 
faith. And we wait for the hope of righteousness. And I think there's a couple of things here. One is spirit, a spirit life. This, God's given us the spirit he has. We're told, Jesus has said it, Paul has said it, the scripture teaches us we have the spirit. Do you believe that? You know, do I believe it? Sometimes I think, why? I don't, God, I'm not real sure, right? Honest, I'm just being honest with you. I need to, I need through faith, he's given me the spirit. Christ lives in my heart, right? Through the Holy Spirit. And I believe that. Okay, Lord, talk to me. All right? Help me listen. And he talks to my heart, right? But it takes some faith, I think, to believe that, hey, the Spirit's inside of me. I believe that. All right? And we wait for the hope of righteousness. Hope, you know, hope for, in our language is kind of like, man, I hope it doesn't rain. Right? I hope you get better. I hope this. I hope. It's not real certain, is it? It's just like we wish things would get better. We have a desire for things to get better. But hope in the scripture is a certainty. We are certain. We have a hope that one day we will experience full on the righteousness of God. A world that is characterized by God's righteousness. We, one day the situation in Israel with Hamas is going to be solved. One day it won't happen until Jesus comes. And when he comes, we look forward to it. The hope of righteousness, and we are so sure that it will come. We're certain that it'll come. Right? And I'm also certain that I am accepted. Right? I'm certain that Jesus died for my sins. I am certain that I am accepted in the beloved. I don't have to worry about, have I done enough for God to accept me? Does God love me today? I don't know. I haven't been good. I forgot my quiet time. Ann and I had an argument, right? I got mad at the person at the store. You know, I wonder if God still loves me. No, he does. I am 100% accepted. And one day I will experience the righteousness of God. So through the Spirit, by faith, we, we live into the hope of righteousness in the future. We are 100% sure that we are okay because Christ paid it all. Right? I am accepted. And when I'm accepted, you know, then I accept you. We, Paul says in Romans 15, 7, receive one another. Accept one another as Christ has accepted you. God has accepted you in Christ Jesus. So the Corinthian church, it wasn't circumcision that made you accepted. It was your standing in Jesus Christ they were sure that they were okay. And when we add circumcision, add legalism to this, we begin to judge other people. Oh, look at that guy, look at that guy, look at that guy. They're not doing this, they're not doing that, they're not doing this. Conflict, right? 
Paul says, if you live, if you understand the righteousness that you have in Christ, if you're 100% sure that you're accepted, you eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness, then the Spirit begins, by faith, the Spirit begins to change your life. And he brings harmony into the church, right? Then he says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision uh, counts for anything but faith working through love. And this isn't faith that works, okay? It's the spirit, all right, that we relate to by faith works in us so that we can do, so that we do works of love, right? That when we, by faith, listen to the spirit inside of us, the works that come out are works of love, right? I think that's what Paul's saying. Time is up. I'm going to take two more minutes. Um, Ann and I like fish. And in Albania, there was a fish shop. And I would walk by this fish shop, and I would look inside, and I would say, man, I would love to go in there and buy some fish because they have all sorts of fish lined up, right? And I would be, but I don't know the rules. I don't know what I'm, how I'm supposed to go in there and make this happen. I'm afraid I'm going to go in there and make a fool of myself. They're just going to kick me out. They're going to laugh at me. I don't know the rules. So I wouldn't go in. Five, six, seven, eight years, I wouldn't go in. So one day I say, okay. I walked into the fish shop, and guess what? There were no rules. Zero rules. You could touch them. You could pick them up. You could do whatever. You could look at them. You could talk to the guy. You could ask for the heads off, the heads on. You could do whatever you wanted to. They just wanted you to come in. Right? There were no rules. Six, five, six, seven years, I never went in there. I never enjoyed the fish because I was afraid of the rules. Turns out there were no rules. And that's what Jesus is asking for us. Come in. All right? This is a safe place. And there are tons of blessings being in there. Stay in here. Stay in here. It's not like we go in and jump right back out. Stay. Stand firm in the grace by which Christ has made you free. Okay, enough. All right? Dean next week is going to talk more about the spirit thing, how we learn to walk in the spirit. That's what's going to follow the next couple of weeks. All right? Not circumcision, but through the spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Let me pray. Lord, thanks for your scripture. Help us, Lord, to be people that rely on you solely by faith. Lord, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you've given us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Morning at Creekside Church in Spring, Texas. We're glad you joined us. For more information, please check out our website at www.mycreeksidechurch.org.